Welcome. My name is Alan Dunn, and this is my podcast. Thank you for listening today. Over the last 20 years, I've been involved in the domain name industry. As an owner, I've bought, sold, and developed millions of dollars in domain names. As a consultant, I've worked with many well-known registrars and registries. As a broker, I was managing director for one of the largest companies in the brokerage space, and today represent many brands, startups, and family offices to help acquire, sell, and manage their domain name assets. Basically, I am a domain name nerd. Hello, today is January 12th, 2020. And in today's episode, podcast episode number eight, I'm gonna talk about one of our larger sales. However, before I do, you may notice a few changes from previous episodes. I decided to rebrand this podcast at Domain Stories, since it's really separate from my primary company, Namecorp, and I finally broke down and acquired the domain name DomainStories.com. We still need to tweak some ending messages and stuff. However, this is my first podcast, so it's part of a learning curve, which will all eventually work out to a more consistent format. So let's get started and talk about a $5 million sale. As always, I'm not gonna say the domain or parties involved, but I'm gonna share a lot of insight into the process. Over the years, I've been involved with many million dollar sales and everyone has its own unique elements. While this story will certainly not apply to every transaction, it hopefully will provide some takeaways for both buyers and sellers to help in future transactions. I'm gonna break this topic into seven specific areas. I know it's a lot, but most are short and everyone has some value. So number one, the initial inquiry. Number two, signing our life away. Number three, forming a sales strategy. Number four, negotiating a sale. Number five, the standoff. Number six, a sudden change in course. And number seven, a deal agreed. So let's start with number one, the initial inquiry. Every day we get emails from existing clients, referrals, and other sources to buy or sell a domain name. Many buy requests are good. However, as almost any other broker will tell you, most all sale leads are pretty much worthless. It's usually someone trying to sell a domain for a gazillion dollars or a triple hyphen dot info or something like this. However, this day was different. A big brand reached out to us about a domain name they owned and said they had an offer and needed some representation to sell it. Great name, great potential buyer, big brands involved. Okay. This email was worth opening. After an initial phone call with the brand, it was obvious they were shopping around. And totally fair. They didn't know us from Adam or Eve, and any search will usually bring up a few of us who all have pretty great track records. They were simply doing their due diligence. After a few weeks, we won the challenge to represent the domain name. I'm going to skip why I think we won, purely because it really wouldn't provide us any competitive advantage by telling that piece of the story. After getting pretty excited that we won the challenge of representation, the next step was to get a written agreement in place. So this brings me to the point number two of signing our life away. I sent over a contract to the domain name owner for review, and our contract is pretty tight at this point. It's been vetted by, honestly, hundreds of lawyers, tweaked and tuned many times over, and provides a pretty easy and light read to new clients. At the end of the day, we have no interest in suing anyone, so think of a contract that basically spells out the terms and obligations of both parties, 
rather than trying to hold them down for every little piece. My goal has always been focused on long-term relationships, and we do business with people we like. If we don't like you or feel like we can't trust you, then having some 12-page contract isn't going to make you any more trustworthy. You're either someone that's going to honor your word, play reasonable, or don't play at all, is my motto. After a day of review, the contract came back with a few minor red lines as expected. Nothing major. Just typical tweaking some attorneys do, likely so they can just justify their time. However, included with a basically approved contract was a 37-page master service agreement. These are the moments you know you're dealing with a company who likely needs a serious internal overhaul. I mean, we are being engaged to represent a domain name sale. And all of a sudden, I need to sign off and agree to promises of environmental protection, health and safety of our employees, avoid the use of conflict minerals, and more. We also had to agree to respect basic human rights and avoid using child labor. Both topics, which I totally agree on, but we are trying to sell a domain name and not employ a workshop to build sneakers here. Basically, this whole master service agreement was essentially a cluster fudge of a document. But hey, they are a billion-dollar company, and we are not. So we decided to not redline this and avoid any nonsense conversations with people who likely get high on forcing these documents on smaller vendors. I can only imagine how miserable they must be in real life. and certainly didn't want to bring that toxic energy into mine. So we agreed. I gave up the dream of selling this domain name for Blood Diamonds and kind of committed to setting up, or using, a reasonable environmental protection management system for God knows what, and signed as is. Number three, forming a sales strategy. The next step was to form a strategy for sale. At this point, a lot of strategy was already formed and agreed upon from our numerous prior conversations, but it was important for everyone to discuss one more time and get on the same page before responding to the potential buyer. Again, in order to protect some competitive advantages, I'm going to skip some of this piece and simply say we determined a fair asking price was $12 million in this case. Now, $12 million may sound crazy, but it certainly wasn't and still isn't given all the factors involved. Number four, negotiating a sale. Next up was contacting the buyer. This is where the real fun begins for a broker. From our side, the owner was in no rush to sell and clearly did need the money. So our strategy was to provide a price, justify why their offer was too low, and essentially wait it out. Basically, keep saying no until a buyer got in range. Everyone knew, and the buyer did also, that they needed the domain name. It was one of the most obvious acquisitions needed I've ever seen. But hey, this transaction is really just about the money. So lots of personalities come into play. Over the next few months, and it took about nine months to get the deal done, the game would have many interesting episodes. For example, when I was initially introduced to the potential buyer's contact through the existing domain name owner, within seconds, my phone was ringing. In fact, this particular rep called and emailed so much that afternoon, it was ridiculous and pretty much showed how desperate the buyer was to acquire the domain name. I basically ignored him that day, finally responding the next morning to schedule a call for the next week. A helpful strategy to show our lack of need to sell, and let's be honest, 
quite entertaining, knowing how badly he wanted to talk to me and couldn't. When we finally did speak, his first offer was $500,000. I explained this was not enough, and our client wanted closer to $12 million. I even provided data to justify this somewhat. Of course, that is one downside of this industry. You can always find data to justify a low price or a high price. However, what we did find made sense, and something he could share with others in the company. Within 24 hours, he magically upped the offer to $1.2 million. The conversations continued. I think it was $1.8 million we finally got to before it went quiet for a while. Then one day, I was unexpectedly approached by a domain name management company who is now engaged to talk to me about the domain. People I know who also understood the value of domain names. It ended up to be a good conversation, which ultimately resulted in the buyer understanding their perspective more, but a continued standoff was looming. Number five, the standoff. We finally got to $3 million, and that's where this deadlock happened. Apparently, from what I've heard, is this particular employee had already promised the higher bees that he could acquire the domain name for under $3 million. Where he got that information is nowhere to be found. Although I did hear later it was likely his purchasing limit, and he wanted to be the hero who acquired this. So false expectations kept being made internally, resulting in a standoff for months between us and them. I still don't think he realized how long we would have waited for. I was ready to carry this one into my retirement until we got $10 million plus for it. Number six, a sudden change in course appears. One day, and for some still unclear reason, the owner called me and said, you know what, let's get this moving and sell the domain name. On one hand, that was really good news. As a broker, we now had more flexibility to execute a sale. And of course, a pending payday was closer also. On the other hand, we still had a large gap. I believe the current standing offer was $3 million, but we were still holding strong to something over 10. For a broker, I think it's really important to stay consistent. When a situation arises when you're told a client will sell for less, yet such a big gap still exists, well, bridging this gap, especially with a company with several decision makers at this range, is a very delicate thing to do. Let's say we now have approval to drop the price to $5 million. Well, the buyer may take that as a desperate sign to sell. I mean, it's well over a 50% drop for no reason explained. And almost no matter what we do, any future offer is never going to get higher than that. In fact, it can often just make the standoff longer and burn a lot of trust which has been built in the negotiation process up until now. We didn't want this to happen. We felt like we were slowly getting somewhere, but there was also a real feeling of getting stonewalled by the buyer's employee's personal desire to become a hero. Now, I didn't want to burn a relationship with someone who possibly could pull the trigger. I also didn't feel like going around him was appropriate because, well, who knows how much power he really did have. And, of course, who responds well to any broker asking for millions more by going around them? So we sat down and discussed this with our client and realized the best strategy at this point would be to have the two CEOs talk to each other. We needed to find a way where the buyer could, on a higher level, talk and make deals like CEOs do. 
Basically, the strategy we recommended was to arrange a call between both CEOs without us, the broker, or the person we felt was stonewalling the deal on the phone and have them basically say, hey, I know our teams are talking to each other. Seems like we have hit a wall. Let's finish this. Number seven, a deal agreed. Well, in 24 hours, the deal was done for $5 million. Turns out there was miscommunication and false expectations within the buyer's side, likely from the exact reasons we identified. A few days later, a wire was received, and a week later, the buyer had the domain name. This final strategy was based on the idea that sometimes it's better to be a coach than a player. You see, I wasn't stuck in being a hero. What I wanted, and what we were engaged to do, was to get a deal done using the right moves. By playing coach and removing us in the final moment was the move needed, then we needed to make that move. Well, it turns out it was the right move to make. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Domain Stories on your favorite podcast service, or visit Namecorp.com for more information about buying or selling a domain name. Have a great day.